I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. If you could work at a place where everyone is... Um, is is willing to laugh at themselves and willing to use humor uh, to communicate. Of course, it's a more it's a more fun place to be for sure, for sure. Welcome to the Humorology Podcast with me, Paul Barros, and my glittering lineup of guests from the world of business, sport, and entertainment, who are going to share their wisdom and their use of humor. Humorology is the study of how humor can dramatically improve your business success and your life. Humorology puts the fun into business fundamentals, increases the value of your laughing stock and puts a punchline back into your bottom line. Please remember to like, subscribe and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. My guest on this edition of the Humorology podcast is a revolutionary billionaire and communication business legend who has an uncanny knack for blowing up successful business models with innovative thinking and action. His down-to-earth humor, business credentials and total tenacity have won him plenty of plaudits and also a seat at the table with presidents, prime ministers, power brokers, moguls and monarchs. A US newspaper once called him Che Guevara in a suit. David McCourt, welcome to the Humorology podcast. Paul, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Well, I love uh, your book, Total Rethink. And when I read that quote about Che Guevara in a suit, I was thinking, does a revolutionary have to have a sense of humor? Well, of course they do. And I would have worn my suit, Paul, if I had remembered about that quote. I apologize. I don't have it on. But of course they have to have a sense of humor. Everyone has to have a sense of humor. Otherwise, what's the sense of, of making your way in this world without one? Why would you? Yeah, you're right. What makes you laugh, Dave? Oh, my own human frailty, probably. My own my own stupidity, my own mistakes. Repeating the same stupid things over and over again. You. <laughs> you laugh. You're, you're very kind. And, of course, our mutual uh, friend and your old roommate, Paul Provenza. Exactly. I haven't seen him in years. I should call him, actually. 
Yeah, well, funny enough, I was on a Zoom with him uh, about four or five weeks ago. He's moved to a new apartment and he was carrying his laptop around and, and not apartment, it's a house in Hollywood. And he was carrying his laptop and it looks very nice and it's got a guest wing. So we'll so be we can fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We'll be fine. Yeah, we'll be fine. Um, so, so many... Um, stories in uh, Total Rethink about the business success and and how you basically revolutionized the, the world of communication. Uh, what are the funniest stories that you can remember about those times? Oh, there is there are so many. Pro pro probably how little I how little I knew and how little I understood, which is what allowed me probably to be successful, Paul, is because I just wasn't afraid because I knew I knew so, so little about what I was doing at the beginning that I was just trying to put one foot in front of the other. But it all worked out. It all worked out. Well, I, I was taken by how little you knew and how much confidence and bravery you have to do that is, I mean, what level of that confidence and where does that come from? Oh, I'm, I'm sure it came from my my mother. Um, my, you know, she was a uh, she lived to be just short of her 103rd birthday. She died a year ago. But but she not only did she have a great sense of humor, she was also a, a woman that that gave me huge confidence in my ability to accomplish anything. So I, I assume because my mother told me I could accomplish anything that it was true. So well, off I went. I, I love one of your uh, you you talk in the book about your your mother's uh, says she's all about attitude gratitude and acceptance, and it it sounds like that that recipe for success was there. Did she have a great sense of humor? Oh yeah, for sure. Very. I mean, she couldn't tell a joke to save her life because she always forgot the punchline. But she had a great sense of humor, and she and she didn't take herself seriously, Paul. She she took life serious but she didn't take herself too serious so she was she had a great sense of humor and a great attitude and and always woke up in a good mood and was in a good mood all day every day and do you, do you think that's where you learn because you talk a lot about the the influence that your parents had over you i mean was there a lot of laughter in the house with you and your siblings well, I mean, okay, there's seven kids, two parents and two grandparents, right? So there's 11 of us with one bathroom. So you can imagine that there, was, there has to be a lot of humor to survive. To survive, there has to be a lot of humor. It, uh, Yeah, of course there was. I mean, it was, it was one big, happy Irish Catholic family under one roof. It was, it was, it was great. It was great, and I say that just to give it give it a, a description. You know, you can you you envision South Boston, you know, in, in those days, and and what you envision it as with a bunch of Irish immigrants is exactly what it was. Uh, and and the Irish are known for their humor because my, my mother uh, my mother's family came over to Glasgow from Ulster. And actually, one of the th ways that they managed to assimilate was through humor. Did I mean, was that very prevalent in the Irish community in Boston? Oh, sure. St st storytelling and, and humor 
is is part of the DNA of of the Irish, and it wasn't lost. In fact, not only was it not lost, it was probably exaggerated when they came to America because they needed that to be able to navigate a new country in a new time. They needed to be able to uh, tell a story and tell a joke to be able to sort of navigate through the new world. I mean, New York was a tough place and Boston was a tough place in those days. So they needed that sense of humor. And you know, Paul, better than anyone, that's what your whole podcast is all about, is about how humor can play a role in not only making life more interesting, but making it more fun, making it more enjoyable, making it um, a, a more creative place uh, and making it a more productive place, making the workplace more productive by by interjecting some humor, it, it making it easier to learn. With humor, it makes it easier to learn. It makes it easier to remember your mistakes. It makes it easier to remember what's the right thing to do. Releases stress. I mean, you know, it's it, it's not as good as sex, but it does release stress and, and sex in the workplace is, is it's not going to, you're not going to be able to get, there's already a podcast that covers that, Paul. So you're not going to get <laughs> I hear it can be frowned upon in some boardrooms. <laughs> well, if in the boardroom, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, what comes across, and having known you for a, a, a few years and got to know you, is that business is, I, I talk about putting the fun into business fundamentals. Business has to be fun for you. Has it always been that way? Always, always. If it isn't, if it isn't fun, why, why would you do it? Why, why would you, why would you do it? Then it's just a job. Of course, it's it, it's fun every day. Fun every day. So, do you see that there's a, an intrinsic link between people who are good at business and people who know how to have fun or have a good sense of humor? Well, what's, what's interesting about a good sense of humor, from my observation, is you have to be pretty clever uh, and pretty smart to have a good sense of humor because anyone can be funny to a very narrow strip of, sort of a very narrow strip of a, of a, of a demographic. But if, if you wanna be funny to a wide range of people of all ages, in all economic backgrounds, in 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 diverse, in in their their thinking, in their upbringing, then you have to you have to be pretty smart and to be able to thread that needle because everybody has a different perception of life. So you have to be able to thread that needle and 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 make a common sort of red thread between all those different ways of thinking. So you have to be pretty clever to be able to do that. So someone who's who you and I would say that man or woman is very, very funny to a wide range of listeners. That person is fundamentally going to be very, very clever, in my view. Well, it's funny because that reminds me of um, in Total Rethink, uh, you talk about uh, they made a documentary about successful uh, business people and they interviewed your mother and your mother said something which I thought was really telling um, was that he could always talk to anyone. And surely that's a sign of empathy. It's a sign of, and you just talked about real intelligence. I think real intelligence is the ability to meet everybody on that level as a psychologist and and connect with them. 
meet them on their, make them feel like meeting them on their level, right? So making, cool. making people feel that their issues are your issues and that you're meeting them on their level. So you have to understand what their level is if you want to meet them on their level. So how do you do that? I mean, because the listeners to this podcast are going to be, okay, I want some laughs, but I'd like some takeaways as well. How does Dave McCourt do it? What do you think that you are doing that's different and better from other business people? Oh, um, I don't know. You know, I've been very, very lucky for one. So it helps. It helps to be lucky. But I I, I, I guess um, trying to put yourself in the future and imagine if you you wake up every day imagining what you have already accomplished or or when you enter into a business situation, you imagine what it's going to look like upon victory. It makes it much easier to get there because you put yourself in a victorious position and then you build yourself a plan to get there. It's much easier to do when when you have all the confidence that you're gonna be successful because in your mind, you've already accomplished it. And all you're doing now is the detail work to get to you where, where you know you already are. So you know you've already accomplished your goal. You know you've already been successful. So all you're doing every day is all the detail work to let, to, so everybody else can catch up to what you already know, which is you've, you've already accomplished it. You, you know what I mean? It's, it's, a, it's I, a different way. If you look at the problem from the ground up, it's overwhelming. If you look at all the things you need to do, it's overwhelming. But when you look at it in its completed form, you say, okay, now I know what I need to do. I need to sort of, you know, I need to mix the flour, I need to mix the eggs, I need to mix the, the, the water, I need to put all these ingredients together, but I already know I'm gonna be successful, so I'm not worried. So it's, a, it's just a different way of looking at life, I think. Well, that, that's really interesting because actually the analogy that came to my mind was the analogy of a joke because my mother could never tell a joke either. And uh, actually to tell a joke, I think is like the secret of succeeding in anything. You have to know the punchline <laughs> and work towards it. And what you just described to me was the equivalent of knowing the punchline. I know where I'm going. There's my goal. And now I'm just working my way to it. But so many great, so many great joke tellers, they start laughing halfway through the joke because they actually, in their mind, they've already lived through the joke and they realize how funny it is. And they make you laugh, it's infectious. They make you laugh because they're laughing so hard. And they're laughing so hard because They've they've already sort of played the joke out in their mind. They're not just reading from a cue card. They're actually living that joke. Well, that's really interesting because there's an analogy for uh, for um, business as well. I mean, as a psychologist, because I originally studied psychology and I do a lot of psychology work as you know as well with business now. You know, so I I work with a lot of businesses, and I always say that if you want anybody to go into any state you have to go into that state first. And what you just described with a comedian was they were already finding it funny. They And that becomes uh, the collective consciousness and is automatically displayed to people. And every successful person who I've met, you know, and who you've met, I think has an element of that. 
Would you think that's true? Yeah, every every so often one sneaks by the goalie. Every so often you get someone that's successful and you wonder how did that happen? They're not empathetic. They're, uh, they don't make their issues, the issues of the people they're leading. Uh, they're not very funny. They're not very charismatic. Uh, every so often that happens, but y- usually they don't get reelected. Usually <laughs> they don't. Usually. <laughs> no names, no pack drill. Yeah. <laughs> don't get reelected. So let's hope so. Oh, no, but it's it's really interesting, though, because uh, just before we came on air, we were talking about that um, your father uh, entered Berlin in 45, as did my father, but completely different ways. And they they could have met, um, which is it. Um, but um, my father always used to describe himself as lucky. And I used to think, well, it doesn't sound that lucky to have been after the war put in a, a, a constant, uh, not a concentration, a, a prisoner of war camp. And then having to survive for eight months there before you were shipped back to Hungary. And then in 56, the uprising having to escape because they were going to kill you because you weren't a communist. So but luck is perception, is it not? Well, I, I, I think it's perception, but I think also after your father went through all that, um, then he was able to have a family and, and uh, he did his he did his best he could with you, Paul. So, you know, yeah. he did he did work he, out he, too he, well, but gave it his best effort. So he looks and he says, look, I, 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 I produced a family. I was able to care for them. I was able to support them uh, after everything I came through. And I think people who look at life that way, live a much more rewarding life. People that are woe is me, you know, if only this, if only that, you know, those people that woe is me, they're never very happy. They're never very happy. And they're not funny either. And they're not to be around. (laughs) Well, exactly. But uh, on a business level, do you think you are consciously choosing people because they're fun to have around, as well as they, of course, everybody's got to have the nous and the business sense and be able to do the job. But are you unconsciously choosing, say, CEOs for your businesses based on human factors as well? Oh, for sure. Look, the the life is too short to spend time with people that don't bring you joy, people who don't make give you energy people who don't make it uh your life more fulfilling you you know you and i tell my kids this all the time i said look there are people that suck energy out of you and there are people that give you energy and you find yourself wanting to spend time with people who give you energy so people are going to perceive you that same way if if paul if you spend time with someone and they feel better after after they've done spending time with you, they're going to want to spend more time with you. If they feel exhausted after spending time with you and they feel drained, they're going to want to spend less time with you. So you want to deal with people who who give you energy and make you feel good. You know, certain people walk into a room and you just smile. Before they say anything, you just smile and you want to be around them because they make you feel good. And, And life is too short to spend time with anybody other than people like that. You want to spend time with people you love doing things you love. End of story, game one. 
Yeah. Well, no, I I couldn't agree more. But I, I I'm just thinking: is that an instinctive thing on your part, or is something that you've learnt over years of successful business? I think both. I think it becomes instinctive after you've learned it. After years, it becomes instinctive after you've learned it. Maybe that's. I think I think all good habits should become instinctive. You know, someone one time, um, there's a guy, W. Clement Stone, he wrote a book, Success Through a Positive Mental Attitude. I was on a charity board with him a thousand years ago. Um, and at that time he was a thousand years old. So he, I'm sure he's been he's been dead for hundreds of years now. But anyway, he was, um, he, 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 during the board meeting, he was telling me about his, his upbringing and his book. And he, and he rolled the pencil off the board table as he was talking to me and he bent over and he picked it up. And he said, you see how an adult can drop a pencil and pick it up without losing their concentration. A little kid would drop a pencil and they'd go down on the ground and they might not come back up for five minutes. They'd find a bug or a crumb or they'd find something to, to, to do while they're down there. He said, you have to take everything that's important in your life and make it so instinctive that you can do it without thinking so that you never have to use any brain power for the things that are instinctive. And he said, if you can do it for picking up a pencil, then you can do it for the important things and make those things instinctive so they take up none of your brain capacity and none of your energy every day. And it was a lesson that you know I took away. I was a very young man when he, when he, when he taught me that, but it was a really important, important lesson for me anyway. I, th I think that's brilliant. No, because, but anything you repeat, and if you want to repeat good stuff, you repeat it over and over again until you build a neural pathway that just becomes like, well, that's instinctive. I always talk about that being at the top of the triangle. You know, we, you know, at the bottom of the triangle is conscious incompetence. So you know what you don't know. And at the top of the triangle is unconscious competence. Where you just kind of flow state as, you know, you were you were a, a, a hockey player, weren't you? And everything. Yeah. Do you think everybody can be funny or it's uh, a gift from God? I think everyone can be funny, but they have to they have to be an observer of life and humanity. They have to be willing to listen and they have to be willing to observe and if they're full, if they're totally self-absorbed and only watching themselves and only worrying about themselves, then they'll never develop a good sense of humor. You said an important word, which I'm always talking about with uh, clients and businesses at board level, is that you know listening. Uh, my my mother always said God gave you two two ears and one mouth for a reason. Exactly. And. And and actually, it's I mean, I actually think the most humorous people or the best business people, very similar. They listen a lot. Now, they may talk a lot like uh, you and I talk quite a lot as well. But you're listening on some level at all times as well, aren't you? Trying to when I'm at my, when I'm at my best, I am. Well, but uh, when I'm at my best, I am when I'm when I'm misbehaving, I'm not. But when I'm at my best, I am. Well, yeah, but you're I I know very few people who spend more time at their best than you, Dave, to be honest with you. So you've 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 locked it in, haven't you? 
Well, I'm a work in a work in progress. I'm 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 trying to remember all the things my mother taught me and W. Clement Stone and the thousands of other people that whose shoulders I stood on have uh, have taught me. So I'm I'm trying to be better at that. And the the better you are at it, um, not only the better at business you are, the funnier you are as well. You you talked about all the people who taught you stuff. I was. Uh fascinated with the book then you talk about you just said standing on the shoulders of giants but there were you've always been brilliant at asking people for help and that that, now paul that comes back to the earlier point about being an energy giver because if those people knew when i asked them for the help i was going to give them a headache and suck all their energy out so they couldn't you know they, the, the rest of their day was going to be miserable, then they wouldn't give me their time. If they felt like at the end of an hour with me, they were going to feel rejuvenated and feel better about themselves and better about life, then they don't mind doing it. And gotcha, some, but- some people just don't know how to do that. And they just suck all your energy out. Well, I think and there's they wonder, two why, they wonder why everybody abandons them. Uh, that's it. But there's two sides of that. It's one which being empathetic and and fun to have around. But also the other side is having the willingness to ask, which I think is very important, isn't it? Well, yeah, if you don't ask, you're definitely not going to get. That's for sure. Well, no, no I was fascinated. No one's very busy is going to call you up. No busy, successful person is just going to randomly start calling people up and saying, I want to I want to offer you my help. I mean, that's you know, you have to ask. For uh, sure. Well, well, well I, I mean, but that's uh, part of your success and part of your charm as well. I would uh, say I, I love the I you told me a story many, many years ago that you actually wrote to Jack Welch and just said, um, can I can I come round and get some ideas. Could you talk a little bit about how you had the chutzpah to do that? Well, it, it, I wrote him a letter and, and, and said I admired him and I wanted to come speak, you know, learn from him. And he wrote me back a letter that his secretary had typed that basically said, you know, I'm busy, I'm over-programmed, you know, can't do it. And then on, on the bottom, or on the side of the letter, he wrote standard. And then the bottom he wrote, you know, Call me after the new year. Have a happy Christmas. So after the new year, I called him and I uh, and he let me come into his office. And the first question I asked him was, you know, how much time is he going to give me? And, and he said, like, I think he said, how's two and a half hours or how's three hours? And I was, I thought he was going to say twenty minutes. So I was like, this is this is great. So I sat down and I said, can you give me? Um, Look, I'll take notes. Just tell me the most important things you learned during your 40 year business career. Uh, and I'll just take notes. And he went off and he didn't stop for three or four hours. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. So it's it like a really, master class. It was it was unbelievable because he everything that was important to him. And uh, I, I didn't waste any time uh, on on bullshit. I just got to what was it that that was so important to him that he learned that he wished that he had known 30 years earlier and he would have saved all sorts of time. It was great. It was like a masterclass. It was great. So what 
did he tell you that could relate to attitude, could relate to humour, could relate to empathy? Was there anything that stood out from that uh, on that basis? Oh, so many things stood out. He, you know, he told me, make sure that the HR department reports directly to you because the people and the culture and the type of people in your organization are critical. You, you let someone else do all the hiring, you'll, you'll never have the right, D, the DNA that you want. He told me you have to repeat a message a thousand times. And a lot of CEOs are always looking for a new way to say something. And let's add new words and let's let's tweak it to make it sound different. And he was saying, the hell with that. Just say it the same way over and over and over again. You may get sick of saying it. You know, <clears throat> the person you sleep with may be sick of hearing you say it, but the audience needs to hear it over and over and over again. Um, you know, he 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 taught me to 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 celebrate your, the the little victories and the big victories. He told me when you give someone, you know, bad news, obviously do what our, our mothers taught us, which is give them the good news first, then give them the bad news, follow it up with a memo because when they leave your office, they'll only remember the good. They'll never remember the bad you told them. So if you don't follow it up with it with a memo, they'll leave and they'll be like, yeah, Paul said uh, I did great this year. Uh, I might have lost a million bucks, but he said I did great. And they'll only remember that. So you have to follow it up in writing. He taught me so many, so many good things. Like I say, that I think that the, the people being good to you is because they like you, is it not? Well, I, I would say it's clearly it's much easier to be good to someone you like than it is to be good to someone you don't like. That, that's, that's a hard one. That, right. that, that takes a lot of, you know, that takes a saint to really spend a lot of time and, be, and, and give your time, which is the great equalizer. It's the one thing that God gave both you and I to equalize us, which was 24 hours in a day, and it's the big equalizer. So if you're gonna give up that one thing that you, you have that everyone else has in the same quantity, if you're gonna start giving up yours, you're gonna have a huge disadvantage unless you, you know, you're giving it up in exchange for something. And if that exchange is a pleasurable experience that made you laugh, made you smile, made you feel better, gave you more confidence in yourself, then you're willing to do it. If it sucks all your energy, you're not gonna do it. So what would the world be like without humor? It would suck because it would, it would be flat, it would be bland. You wouldn't be able to get your point across. You wouldn't be, it'd be harder to, to make a point. It would be harder to connect with people. It would be harder to, to relate to other people. I mean, there's, you, you know, when, when someone's going through a tough time and you wanna make them feel better, but yet there's a lesson to be learned, um, you know, if you're gonna add a little humor to it um, to help them remember that lesson, but yet maybe make it sting a little less, that's a much easier, it's a much easier way to do it. So humor, I think, is a really important vehicle to deliver good news as well as bad news. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May seventeenth. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for fifteen dollars a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of forty five dollars, equivalent to fifteen dollars per month, unlimited over forty gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at four eighty p. Active Mint customers by five thirty one twenty four get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May thirty first, twenty twenty four. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. From a psychological uh, standpoint, they. Of course, humor changes everyone's state. So do you use humor consciously in business to change people's state? Or is it just now, as you say, instinctive? Well, I think maybe early on, I developed it as an arrow in my quiver because, you know, maybe I was trying to get attention. If you're the youngest of 11 in the house, maybe you're trying to get attention. Maybe, um, you, you know, maybe you were trying to make your way in the world, um, in, a, in a big, busy world. But by this point, it's just comes natural. It's just instinctive. Do you find yourself funny, Dave? Oh, I get a kick out of myself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I make myself laugh more than more, more than I make everybody else laugh, for sure. For sure. Yeah, 100 percent. But there's there's different kinds of laughter, isn't it? I mean, so there's uh, the if the if the boss can laugh at himself, do you think that changes the whole atmosphere in a company? And you're talking about billion dollar corporations. Is of is of course. I mean, if you could work at a place where everyone is um, is is willing to laugh at themselves and willing to use humor. Uh, to communicate, of course, it's a more it's a more fun place to be for sure, for sure. Someone who has studied psychology, you know how important humor is. You know how important it is in in getting your message across. You know how important it is in storytelling. You know how important storytelling is. Look, a, a someone has to a, a, a business is run based on a. a a, a P&L statement and a balance sheet. But a, a balance sheet and a P&L statement are just stories that have been put into a numerical format. You have to unbundle those and tell the story 
that backs up those numbers. And if you can tell that story in a way that people will listen and understand, then it's easier for them to make their budget because they understand what they need to do. It's really interesting because I think there's a lot of takeaway for people listening to this that, that actually, even at the highest level, you have to understand that everybody wants the same stuff. Everybody wants ultimately to feel good. Look, do what you love with people you love and then you've won the game of life, right? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Do you think people laugh enough in the workplace? No, people don't laugh enough. Look, and there's lots of reasons why. I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world right now that's not very funny. Um, so that's a that's a problem. But it is, no, of course they don't. And if you think about the, the great leaders that got us through turbulent times, um, most of them were, were pretty were pretty funny and had a pretty good, uh, you know, could tell a pretty good story. That's they, true, actually. And the people we love and admire the most, whether that's in politics or business, there is a commonality of uh, humor or a thread of humor that goes through it, isn't there? For sure. So when you say that's true, actually, does that mean everything else that I, when you, when you don't add the word actually, that means everything else I said was not true, right? So that's, that's right. That, that's just a frame that this is one thing I finally said that's true. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. Everything before that was bullshit. I know that. <laughs> but this one is true. And this is the point. This is like the punchline of a joke. This finally, 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 finally we have something we use. <laughs> everything else will be edited. Two and a half hours this podcast lasted. You was only hear a small portion of it. Yes, welcome to the Humorology three-minute podcast uh, with we, Dave McCourt. We, 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 these these great leaders were very, very funny because you know it, then they can get they can get their message across and great storytellers. So uh, that's really interesting that the leadership is about storytelling and ultimate storytelling changes your state and one of the biggest arrows in your quiver is humor in that storytelling for sure 100 percent. so so who are the leaders who have impressed you most well the, the, look what we've learned about leaders over the last few weeks is that as these statues have been torn down around the world is that every man and woman has uh, frailties and and uh, parts of their personality that are that are less than perfect, but you know we put statues up to represent something that they did that was worthy, and it doesn't mean that everything in their life they did was worthy. It means this thing that they did was worthy of acknowledgement in the context of a of a. Um, a, a a human being with with faults and deficits and and uh, complexities and frailties and everything else that we we all have. Um, you, you know, uh, Winston Churchill, I'm sure, had all sorts of uh, um, uh, failures uh, in in his humanology. Uh, in his life as a, you know, in, in his, in his, in his being, but he did stand up to uh, Adolf Hitler at a time when we needed him to, 
and he did and he did say that the world has to come together and if the Brits don't stop stop Hitler then probably no one else will be able to that was the sort of a line in the sand so we're not saying that he was perfect we're saying he stood up to an evil man at the moment we needed someone to and if he hadn't um, you know, the next stop after after the UK would have been America, and then there would have been a whole different world. The Declaration of the Independence, the Declaration of Independence, is one of the most important documents ever ever written. Um, Thomas Jefferson was not a perfect was not a perfect man by any stretch of the imagination. So, so you, you I, I think rather than say, do I um, look up to any one person, you look up to pieces of people's personality, recognizing that they all have, um, uh, uh, they all have faults and frailties like we all do. You, you know, you look up um, to, uh, you know, Ronald Reagan had to stand up to the Soviet Union at a time when someone needed to. Uh, lots of other things he didn't accomplish that he should have, um, or you know, uh, each so each each person that I that I they look up to, you look up to them for something that they represent. That and and people now are, I think are too critical in saying, yeah, but what about the fact that Paul did this or Paul did that or that's right, and we should put that in the context of what you did that was was good we should put that now some people their evil is so is so deep that you have to look at the one good thing they did and said maybe that was the oddball that was the odd thing that they did they, they did they did good but in general you look at you look at you, you look up to certain aspects of men and women um in their in their in in, in what they accomplished that was genuinely sort of move the ball of civilization down the court. But there is, there, is so, there is so many, and there's so many, and most of the ones that are real heroes, most of your viewers would never have you know, heard of, right? Most of them are, are, are silent heroes that most people would never have, never have heard of, right? Yeah, and uh, I mean, and actually one of the things about Churchill is he was renowned to have uh, a brilliant mind and a great sense of humor, wasn't he? Which was he used to persuade. And without that, that passion, that humor, would he have been able to get into a position of power in order to leave, lead the government to save uh, essentially, well, you could say the Western world at the, at the time? I think probably not. I think that... that one of the things we forget is that he was incredibly persuasive and that came from humor as well. But I, I think yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And there there's there are so many people that you 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 look up to for um, a piece of what they've done. It's it's hard now where where everybody's entire life is is out in the open. It's hard to look at someone and, and say, you know, their whole life represents goodness because it doesn't. And I, I don't think anybody can stand up to that test. But there's a lot of people 
that have that have done good, but most of them are are, are of the silent silent heroes. You know, most of them are are sort of behind the scenes there. Yeah. This is uh, really in your wheelhouse, and I, uh, I is if I asked you to write a business case for humor, what would you include? Joy in the workplace, um, which is going to create greater productivity, right? It's going to have greater productivity. Um, there's a, there's an argument that a healthier, happier workforce will have less stress and will be more productive. So I would I would argue that they'd be more productive. They're going to uh, have better relationships with their coworkers. Um, they're going to collaborate more. Uh, they're going to be able to get their message across better. They're going to be able to collaborate better and communicate better. They're going to have more empathy for each other. They're going to have more empathy for another another person or department's point of view. So therefore, there'll be better interdepartment communications. So the whole company will function better. For sure, the company will function better. So, but how would you actually measure return on investment? Because that's the main thing. When you go into companies and you go, I will make everybody in this company feel better, think better and everything. It's one of the first things that gets thrust aside. I'm sure not in your companies is training or, you know, celebrating or those things. And especially in times like this, to, to actually tell people, well, there is a real return on investment and the bottom line can fundamentally be changed. Yeah, but I would ask the question, do we need, is the bottom line the only thing that's important or is contributing to the community and everybody's well-being, you know, just as important? Is it is it okay to make, would... Would is it okay to make a little bit less money for a while to have a better place to work, and then if everybody's working better together, you you're gonna make more money. You're gonna make a better return on your efforts, regardless of whether you try or not. It's just gonna happen. It's just gonna happen instinctively. But I, you know, I don't know if that has to be the first measurement all the time. Is whether or not you've made more money than the year before. Maybe the measurement is. Is everyone happy and is the community you're serving better off? And are you making a fair profit? Maybe that's a better measurement. And would you encourage CEOs around the world to actually look at it in a more holistic approach as as a re result of the way you've... I mean, you you have been phenomenally successful. So people listening to this are going to be trying to get nuggets of like, you know, would Dave put um, uh, things into operation at times like post-COVID or during COVID that you couldn't see an automatic return of investment? Would would you still be doing those things? Sure, do those things all the time. Look, if you if you uh, businesses have over the last fifty years have evolved. I know this is not a business podcast, but this is the facts. Businesses have evolved to learn how to extract value as opposed to contribute value to the communities and make a profit. And that's a dangerous shift that they've made. Not all, but most businesses are more focused on extracting value than they are in contributing value to the communities they do business in. And consequently, 
people instinctively think business is bad and that's bad for business because if your customers think you're bad, it's bad for business. So you have to spend all this money on a marketing campaign to get people to trust you. Well, if you did something that made you trustworthy, you wouldn't have to spend all that marketing money so you'd make more money. So it, it, businesses over the last 50 years have, have made a dangerous shift to be extractors of value instead of contributing to the communities in general. You know, if you take a, you know, a business that owns a, a hundred stores and a private equity shop buys that business, you know, in the old days, they take the bottom performing stores and they'd say, how do we get these stores to perform better? And they'd get the guys and men and women from the top and they'd send them down to the stores in the bottom and they'd say, how do we get this to perform better? Now they just cut off the bottom 10 stores, which makes their metrics better, which makes their average revenue per store better, which makes their average revenue per salesperson better, which makes their average revenue per employee better, which makes their stock price go up, which makes their stock shares goes up, which makes the executives more money. But they forget about the employees in the community at the bottom. And that's what that's why people are pissed off about business. And that's why capitalism has a bad name when it's better than any other form of sort of, of, of you know, it's better than 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 it's, it's worked better than communism and socialism. But it has a bad name now because they've they've overdone the profit thing instead of having a more balanced approach. So, again, I know it's not a business business show but if business it is it is it's i mean it's how how cuba can be used better in business so it really is understanding the fundamentals of business is crucial to this show well if people don't fix that problem um people like um you know, in your country, Jeremy, Jeremy Corbyn or, or Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren, they will come into power and they will put laws in place that coming from people who don't understand business to solve a problem when business should solve the problem themselves because they understand business. Um, so in, in business and, and, and policymakers should work together. And, and the business people don't trust the policymakers because they're just trying to get reelected. They're not really trying to implement policies for long-term change. They're just trying to get reelected. Um, so you've got, you, you get a, a dysfunctional political system and a dysfunctional business system. Have you ever taken a joke too far and crossed the line? No, I'm pretty good at that. I'm pretty good at, at, at um, at not doing that. I'm, I'm pre pretty good at, uh, and that probably comes with, with, you, you know, I'm sure I've done it with like people like brothers and sisters, of course, because that's what you do. But, um, I'm pretty good about that. That one, I'm, I have lots of faults, but that one I'm pretty good at. And how did you learn to be pretty good at that? Did it, was it all instinctive or do you just, I mean, is it just mm -hmm. the, you have empathy? probably the truth is I probably did take it too far not knowing I did. You know what I mean? I probably, it's probably so far long ago that I forgot, but I'm sure I have. You know, most successful people forget all their things they've done wrong and they just, they just sort of adjust going forward and you sort of move on. Well, that's the natural psychological way, isn't it? Really, we remember the good stuff about ourselves and we uh, erase the bad. Well, on the converse of that, have you ever used humor to get yourself out of trouble? All the time, all the time. I remember once when I was, when I just got my license and I was, I was trying to pick up 
my girlfriend across the across the street and I and, and I pulled the, she was across the street and I was gonna pick her up after work and I pulled this U-turn and right as I started pulling the U-turn the cop the cop stopped me and 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 he and he it rolled down the window and, and he said what kind of idiot would pull a U-turn in the middle of a busy street and, and I said the, you see that pretty girl over there he said wouldn't you pull a U-turn for her if if she was gonna go out with you tonight wouldn't you pull a U-turn. And he said, you know, I probably wouldn't. He said, that's all I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to get to her. Just trying to get to the girl. So he let me off. He <laughs> let me off. That's brilliant. A brilliant story. Thinking on your feet as well. And also just shows that the value of humor, of bonding people, you know, you've changed the state of the, the, the cop at that point. And you've also made him laugh. It's, I think that's, that's brilliant. Well, it's better than saying, I didn't know you couldn't pull a U-turn. I wasn't pulling a U-turn. I didn't know you couldn't do it. You know, that that he's so, they're so sick of hearing that. So yeah, sick. Of heard it all before, sir. Out of thing. In business, is it survival of the fittest or survival of the funniest? Need both. Got to bring both to the table. In full well, force, got to bring them both. Well, uh, just expand on that uh, slightly. Well, you, look, we've established earlier in this conversation that to be funny, you, you have to be clever. So by definition, if you're going to if you're going to choose one, choose funny because the funny person is probably pretty clever. But you want both. You want someone who's who. You know, I'm not a big believer that everyone can do everything. You know, there's there, there's something to be said for proper training and having a a narrow strip of knowledge that's deep. So if you have a narrow strip of knowledge that's deep and you can deliver it in a way that 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 engages people and you don't take yourself too serious, then you're better off. Fabulous. We're going into the section of the show right near the end where we call quick fire questions. And I always say that like I've got a jingle, but I haven't. So if you want to go away and write one day, you know, now's your chance. Um, uh, who's the funniest person in business you've met? Oh, uh, Jack Welsh was pretty funny. Jack Welsh was 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 pretty funny. And um, uh, Elon Musk is pretty funny, too. Those two. OK. What book makes you laugh? Well, it's not a book. It's a newspaper, but the Financial Times. I mean, the front page of that. The stock market is, it, it, look, we're, we're living through Armageddon, uh, Armageddon. The stock market keeps on going up. Like, like, how is that? Like, everybody's going bankrupt. Everybody's laid off their employees. 80, you know, 20% of these employees are never coming back. That's a dirty little secret. And the stock market just keeps on going up like as if it's business as usual, right? No one can go out. No one can buy anything. No one's hiring these people back. Like it is, you know, a friend of mine has 1,200 coffee shops. He laid off 20,000 people and he like, like hotels are, are you know, are never going to be at full capacity. Restaurants are never going to be at full capacity and, 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 you know, airplanes aren't going to be at full capacity. Buses, like, like, like how is it possible that, that there's all this, bad news and then it says and the stock market is up today like <laughs> it is pretty funny yeah. um what film makes you laugh oh 
the old one, Blazing Saddles. But Super Bad is pretty funny too. Super Bad is pretty funny. You know, I'm going to tell Provenza that you didn't choose the Aristocrats, don't you? And of course, the Aristocrats, of course, would be the would be the other one, of course. Do you want us to fix that in post? <laughs> <laughs> I have to call him. I haven't talked to him in years. Uh, what word makes you laugh, Dave? Fornication. It's a silly. It's a silly word. It's undescriptive. It sounds like the guy that's gonna the exterminator. It sounds like the guy who's gonna come and, and, and kill the cockroaches. It just oh. doesn't. Fit. It just doesn't fit the the word. Doesn't fit the feeling. It doesn't. It's the wrong word. You know what it means, don't you, Paul? It's a big word. I I have an inkling. Yeah. But that's you know I can't tell you where my inkling is to be honest with you. Um, uh, okay. On a serious note, slightly. Uh, what's not funny? Trump getting reelected. I'll take that every time. Uh, would you, I think you answered this before, but I'd like a one word answer. Would you rather be considered clever or funny? Funny. There you go. I like the fact that you thought about it for a while as well. And finally. I was trying to come up with a combination word. That was the only reason. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to find I just, I just thought you were trying to look clever and <laughs> say funny. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and finally, uh, desert island gags. You can only take one joke with you to a desert island. What would it be? Two tickets to Pitts. Two. Two. Uh, two uh, what is that? Two. Two tickets to Pittsburgh. Don't tell me you haven't heard that one. You know that joke, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That would be the joke. That would be the joke. And that that that's the joke you're going to have to hear every day on a desert island. Yeah, um, it would make me laugh every day. It would make me laugh every day. Perfect. You've made me laugh. You've made me smile. And you've shared a lot of wise words. Really appreciate your time. Thank you very much, Dave. It's Thank been a great you. pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much. The Humorology Podcast was hosted by Paul Barros and produced by Simon Banks. Music by Steve Hayworth, creative direction by Les Hughes and additional research by Helen Sykes. Please remember to subscribe, like and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a Big Sky production. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.